this is a Castlefield Gallery podcast. My name's John Paul Jones, artist based in West Yorkshire, working in lots of different mediums, ceramics, textiles and digital. Hi, my name is Danielle Bathwaite-Shirley. Um, I usually make interactive artwork that requires the audience to participate in order to experience any of the art. Most things are a sort of archive of the Black trans community and my community. And it usually takes the form of a video game, an animated video. Hi, I'm David Blandy. I'm a all sorts of things artist, make videos, make role-playing games, often looking at ourselves in our space in the community and how we relate to the world. So thought maybe we could start off by just chatting a bit about some of our inspirations behind the practices, our practices. I guess I can kick that off. So a lot of what inspires my work is ideas to do with perception of reality and how stories that we're told kind of mould and inform our view of like the world around us and also of like our moral compass and morality in general. And so that, that's kind of like the driving force behind a lot of where the work comes from. But then on like an aesthetic, more of like an aesthetic angle, it's in, like a, a long passion or a long history of collecting stuff like comics and lo-fi, horror movies, sci-fi movies, sci-fi literature, but specifically like the universes that are created for characters and stories to exist in. So I've always been really interested in how characters can exist over different platforms. It's less about like the original author and more about that character becoming an entity of their own. So say like Judge Dredd is less seen as a character created by Pat Mills and more of just like an entity on of their own that is taken by different people to use as like a, a focal point for a story. So that kind of thing is what I've been trying to really explore with my practice at the moment. So like creating these characters that exist within multiple dimensions and crossover from like comics and video games and collectible figurines that is what inspires uh, my practice and what's like the the driving force behind it um so i guess my answer to the same question would so it usually comes from a sort of limited uh console so um something that first inspires me usually is is a very old i guess machine trying to do something that it wasn't built to do so for example when the commodore 64 is trying to render 3d graphics that's kind of the moments i find my inspiration in and i love when systems that were built to do very particular things are then sort of cracked or cheated in a way to present something that they shouldn't really be able to present and the reason i love these limitations is because um, I mean, now, because I'm kind of in the 3D, I guess, artist realm in brackets, now you can kind of do anything. And often what I was seeing in, in galleries often was 
very clean, pretty 3D renders without much soul. And so usually the, the point of the 3D render would be to, I guess, like hand over a clear interpretation of something that could have been a photograph, but instead has been rendered as 3D, a nice, clean, soft, sharp, rather than actually trying to use the medium to present a, a feeling or to capture something, maybe not in the most realistic rendering style, but in the most realistic sense of how you feel when you watch it. And so often most of my practice is trying to convert my feelings, my thoughts, the events that happen in my life into a 3D render that can translate or communicate that feeling quickly. Um, and it's not just about having it being said, but it's about having the world encompass all of those um, elements. And that sounds more complicated than it is. Usually it just boils down to building the foundations on top of the images of the people that you're working with you know, having their voices within the world, so they're the ones talking and centering very particular kind of conversations. So when someone watches it, they can get the context. The context is clear of what's happening. And right now, my inspiration, the ones I'm looking at, so nerdy, this is so random, but are Columbo, <laughs> but for its inverse detective story method in which you see the whole point of view from the murderer's perspective that's really interesting to me and this ps1 game oh gosh called galarians which is the edgiest edgy teen ps1 game you can possibly get and what it tried to do was use the resident evil formula which is a still camera pre-rendered backgrounds and tank controls to tell a story about kids being uh, experimented on some sort of psychic ability and essentially try and spawn like a small movie franchise off this game. That's essentially what the game was trying to do. Essentially trying to be larger than the budget would even allow it to be. But that's kind of where I dive in. And so this whole game is now the format for my newest work that will come out. I don't even know when. And that's kind of how my inspirations kind of work. I see something that's trying to do everything that I can't do. And then I kind of step in as a developer and say, right, let's redo that kind of what they're trying to do, but try and do it in our way, in our aesthetic, using the same limited budget as the thing. Nice. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm, I'm normally inspired by a couple of things. It's both the pop culture that's around me. So maybe it's like, some video games that I'm seeing being played or like a kind of community that I'm a part of, like maybe it's fighting game community or maybe it's um, a tabletop role-playing game community. And then it's also um, thinking, kind of intersecting that with my position in terms of both social position and geopolitical position. So trying to think about the historical re relation to things through both genealogy but also through culture so it's kind of where those things all intersect so it's so say i'm looking at at the position that my grandfather was in in kenya where he was teaching horticultural methods how to grow pineapples as a cash crop and yeah i mean he, he reminisced on that 
saying that you know everything they did was wrong basically they introduced the pesticide ddt which is one of the culprits for basically killing loads of loads of insects in the world especially bees but also you know rather than producing crops for sus local sustenance it became producing stuff to be canned and then sent back to england and in fact um, del monte now own absolutely vast swathes of kenya and still grow pineapples there so it's rather than and it was all part of a big like government plan uh, called the swinerton plan which was aiming to create a black middle class in order to repress the mau mau rebels and then you know so my grandfather's all kind of caught up in that and it made me think of this avery alder game called um, the quiet year which is a tabletop game where you create a map and you try and create a community but kind of of competing factions so it's sort of it's bringing that kind of geopolitical history space together with kind of a little geeky nerdy thing that i'm interested in and kind of mashing them together and seeing how yeah how these these things that we engage with in terms of like popular culture, like, so say my film with my father backgrounds where he would be walking through backgrounds from fighting games that I, I was playing and he's a landscape artist. So I asked him to do like pastel landscape versions of all of these backgrounds from like Street Fighter and King of Fighters, Mark of the Wolves and stuff like that. And then we're having a chat inside these landscapes. So little pixelated versions of ourselves while we're walking and talking, because we spent quite a lot of time walking and talking as, as uh, while I was growing up about art and what it means to be an artist and video games and yeah, what's he make of all, everything that I do. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of intersecting those two things, like both, yeah, your position and the things that you're created by, which I think is kind of in common with both of you really, these, you know, these bits of popular culture that, that that make us and kind of construct like you say John your kind of you know your moral compass to put it in, in it sort of makes it sound semi like a religious text or something and I, I sometimes think it's funny that that some people refer to tabletop role players as, as like people of the book you know they're defined by these books that they're that they're um, they're obsessing over there's, there's a I've got a lot to say about that but I think that's maybe for another time <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um between us we have like a little nerd castle that we could build <laughs> that sounds like a good good plan for a project nerd <laughs> castle <laughs> <laughs> the next show the next group show <laughs> i think that uh the i hadn't thought about that the um the use of like religious iconography or like language it's like a, a really recurring thing within my practice like having I was brought up in like a very I guess like evangelical almost religious setting and like I think that's like informed this idea of like this perception of reality you know being told what something is real and that like all of the fear that comes with that of like this very definite idea of what hell is and you will go there if you don't do X, Y, and Z and what have you. And then realizing that all of that is, was constructed for purposes of power and manipulation. And then I think that is like, 
I don't know, like I, I really enjoy, I find it useful using things like the uh, exploring the computer game model uh, at the moment as like this idea of like directing people in a certain way or like almost like to a certain extent controlling where they go by pointing and clicking as a way of like maybe referencing that I don't, I don't know I hadn't really I think when you just pointed that when you just said that then David it made me think about that it's interesting so maybe now we could talk about why we all make our lives difficult um yeah. oh god <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think like for me personally like there's a few different reasons I guess one of them is I think I've got quite a, a short a, attention span I get bored quite easily and so I think like I'm constantly trying to I'm constantly like enamored or interested in like different ways of making something or different ways of presenting like an idea or a character so there's that but then I guess like another one is I guess like going back to what I was saying earlier about this idea of representing characters or telling like stories over different mediums I think that's something that I've always been like really interested in and that idea of like world building in that sense where like say like with the Wachowskis when they presented the matrix it wasn't just the film it was then they directed the computer game and they oversaw the writing of the comic and then they oversaw the animatrix so it was this thing that you could I really love that idea that like you could either you could watch or like go in on any of those things it would be a great experience but if you loved that and we're like, oh man, I love this story and I love this world. I want to go like in there deeper. There was all of these different things that you could go in on. I think there's, I think that is like a big driving point for me. Like there's a lot of comics or films growing up that I wanted to be more in that world and would get frustrated that there wasn't like a, there wasn't more that I could go into. I guess like a, a big one for me growing up was June reading that and being like, this world is incredible. I want I want more of it. And then although David Lynch's film, like I, I've got a, a real soft spot for it because, um, you know, like I really enjoyed watching it when I was younger. It was like really different. Like I didn't feel like it was showing me the world that I wanted to be part of. Whereas like, I guess going back to that Wachowski's example that all of the, things that they created around the matrix felt like it was very much within that world. And like, like with, I guess like even uh, with Neuromancer, that the world that Gibson created, oh wow, that's like, I wanna be further in there. And then the point and click computer game that came out around that, even though it was like insanely complex, it felt like it was more of a, even if you didn't play it that long, it felt like it was a, a little, another doorway into that, that world. So I think that for me, that's one of the reasons that I like kind of drawn to like trying to represent the characters over lots of different platforms, whether it's like ceramics or textiles or 3D animation or video or comic or what, whatever it is, that, that idea of like expanding the universe at the 
the the characters live on live in um it's interesting that you mentioned the matrix because the matrix is one of the first times i had like a real yearning to be like in the 3d environment and i i'm thinking about it now uh, it might be because you know you literally see people go in and out of a virtual matrix but i, I was someone that was playing um what was it called matrix revolutions i, I can't remember the, the game i had it on gamecube everyone said it was rubbish in the reviews but at the time i thought it was one of the best games ever made mm. and and the reason i loved it so much was because i kind of i guess i played it with my friends the characters were both people of color actually and so that felt like a closeness to us, like getting into that kind of world. And at the same time, um, within the game, they had like real cutscenes of the actors in, and then suddenly you would be in the 3D representation and the graphics would look at the time, looked uh, revolutionary. Um, but I think it was actually when the Matrix Online came out was then I had a feeling of missing out on a community of like them being able to live this fantasy that i wanted to live like there was now this mmo that claimed to be the matrix you could go in there as a person and tap into the matrix through your computer and then be there and be who you want to be have all your powers all this kind of stuff and maybe that's where the trans allegory comes in with the wachowskis but i i don't i don't know if it's that clear or not for them no idea but at least for me when it when it comes to that sort of stuff that's kind of a main asset of my uh, practice still. It's about getting real world people into these 3D environments and having that kind of translation, that feeling that you get when you're playing an MMO of like seeing a representation of you, but not a cut and paste image of you, you know, something that is you, but the ultimate version, maybe the true self and how 3D sometimes, or like games at least, sometimes get you closer to that representation of how you're feeling inside rather than actually how you look when you look in the mirror. And so the reason I make life difficult for myself is that I think that process of translating someone into a 3D world is different for everyone. So when I work with a new group of people, because I usually work with uh, teams of Black trans people, we start the process from scratch every time. And so I won't have an engine in mind or, or, or a technique or the choices available who can even play. That will be decided as a group. So which usually means that uh, everything that we've le learned over the years is thrown out the window. And someone is like, well, I want to be a fish blob that floats in the sea. And you're like, God, okay, how do I make that make sense? that be you and have the context that it needs to have in it to tell your story <laughs> and then what's the engine that we run it in because now you want it to play on android phones and so like that's that's the the problems arise from the people i'm working with which is great because they tell you the format you need to to work in and then and usually i'll have like a load that i've like you know kept in a in a in a case to like bring out and say like, okay does this one work does this one work and so once that format is chosen then we have to learn everything about it and that's when it's really difficult because i mean the, one of the last ones i did was in a language in form seven which is from the 1980s the useless bit of code like <laughs> no one you can't use it for anything else but you have to learn the a lot of the code in order to write the game and make it make sense and so that that's kind of why it's kind of trying to pursue this idea of I'm almost acting as the, um, not the Morpheus, but how to say it, 
Remember that window in the Matrix? We're going to go back to those. Uh, those because everyone's seen this film. There's a, a scene where Neo touches the mirror and the mirror kind of like globs on his hand and he kind of goes through that mirror. And that. Um, so those mirrors are kind of like teleportation things to fr- from yourself to unjack yourself into the fake world. And so my job is to be the mirror to get people into the world. And that's why it's so difficult. It's because I'm trying to do a reflection that properly captures the person, properly archives them. And because of that, I need to make sure that everything we're doing is from scratch, which means everything is impossible <laughs> until it's done. Um, but I think, yeah, that the process has worked well in actually capturing the people I'm working with. So that's why difficulty is good, at least for me and my practice. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me, it's it's trying to I'm always trying to do something that I don't know how to do, which is sort of similar, but from maybe less less sort of um, noble reason. Um, I want to try and understand these spaces that that I inhabit and that are forming me, I guess, and deconstructing that. So it's trying to like, you know, how does a 3D engine work or how does a tabletop role play game work? Why, why is it that this combination of words creates this sort of feeling or whatever? Like, why does this, this lot of things work rather than this? <laughs> like, it never makes any sense. Like, especially when you break it down to something as simple as, as like a tabletop role play game, which is like, you know, it's, it's literally maybe 50 words sometimes is the rules. It's like this tiny little little glob bit of information and sometimes they they are profound and sometimes they're just rubbish and then so to try and create that yourself when you're kind of coming from nothing which is where I was coming from except my experience you know it's that is that that kind of testing the water and, and testing what actually needs to be there like in a, in a video is it you know what is necessary to create the the ultimate bullshit like cyberpunk space in a in a 3d space so like yeah i'll i I need to make some sort of synthy sounds now i've got a synth so i can do that (laughs) like so i've got that that's that's quite i I know music so i've got that under under lock but i want to have some reference to snatcher in there because i'm kind of interested in snatcher and like what, what it means it's game by hideo kojima um it's kind of almost unplayable but it's got this Kind of, and it's it, it's so much like let's take Blade Runner and rip out <laughs> like most of the guts of it and it becomes this weird kind of schlock kind of investigation thing um, but it's still got all that iconography and it's still very much cyberpunk so I wanted to have Snatcher playing on a 3D TV inside Unreal Engine no idea how to do that <laughs> so it was just it was just then it's like kind of going through youtube tutorials it's going through things and and that's kind of normally my process in these things it's like i'm learning it for the first time i managed to capture it into the film and then it's there in the film and then i'll probably completely forget about it because it's like <laughs> i'll never want to do that again but it's just it's just always trying to kind of having these stupid ideas for what could work in a space like bring like it makes no sense to have like the cyberpunk ninja dude who is super generic but i mean but like i don't know he, he was quite cheap on the unreal 
<laughs> like asset store and then and then like like the uh sort of various poses like oh that's quite a cool pose like and then i don't know how to mix them together so again yeah it's all a learning thing but then suddenly like through the process and through kind of putting them in all sorts of different positions and then kind of trying out the camera in different ways it's suddenly it's something about it once i added my voiceover which i turned i turned my voice into an algorithmic simulation of my voice to do the script so it's like it's like a deep fake of myself it, it gets all these layers and and slowly all you know but they're all going in the same direction and then it kind of becomes suddenly it's a thing and then it's done and then what's next <laughs> so it's all that's what it always is it's always what's next i wonder um just a random thing that's coming up when i'm hearing everyone how much is accidental in in the practice like how many things just kind of like you move things around and like like painting like suddenly you move mm. things around and suddenly everything clicks and you don't even know when that happened if you even did it you know or if they could like yeah. some kind of 3d god just made that happen <laughs> I, th I think i think that's just part of the artistic process for what no matter what medium you're using it's just like suddenly like like when I was making the fighting game, which was like all different versions of my, like all the different alter egos that I'd made for my previous performance works as a Street Fighter game. So like just taking, taking them and turning the sprites. Like there were loads of times where it's like, I don't know how to get this special move to work properly. And then I kind of accidentally get the right code once. And it's like kind of, oh, that looks cool. Like, like I'll leave that like that. And it's like, it's like that, it's kind of, it feels like lots of little accidents. And then at the end of it, it feels like you had no, I don't know, I always feel like it's something completely divorced from me. It now exists and it's like, how did that even happen? I don't know, <laughs> like you just completely forget the process. And um, yeah, which is why you go into the next thing because you forget how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm the same. Like, uh, I think like a lot of, where, like, especially with say the, 3d stuff or the like music or audio stuff like it'll just be a case of a lot of the time incredibly frustrating couple of hours and then oh that looks good <laughs> or that sounds good better quickly keep like a recording of that or what have you and like a lot of the time like you know it'll be learning how to do little bits but i'd say like quite big chunks are yeah frustratingly trying to get something to happen and then something happens that i wasn't quite expecting to but i, I like it so then it's kind of like a collaboration with whatever uh, as now platform or process that i'm using at the time yeah because I, I don't know i i in my bones i have this like real big push to push not not my work to do this just to push the idea of like what uh, i guess like um, digital art is but instead of pushing it towards like more of a medium because I really feel that it is a medium just like paint like the same kind of accidents happen the same kind of pushing around happens like every every product I've ever done I'm always I always get to a point where I'm like what do I do and I spend sometimes it's days or sometimes it's hours pushing stuff around until that click happens and sometimes you know you see it coming and other times you're just checking something out 
and it's there and the whole work is there and you're like okay that's it I need to zero in on that position and I feel the same with painting sometimes there's a moment in your painting you're like that's the shape I want and that's how I can go throughout the whole thing but I I, I, I ask that question because often when people ask me about making 3D work, they think that my plan is like an extensive take over the world plan. Um, and that like everything has to be known before you do it because things take so long. And that like the, the plan is so detailed and, and it can get to that. But I really feel like the way that we're doing it at least, it's much more like a medium. It's much more letting things dry, coming back to see how they are, pushing them around again checking something not cleaning up something because you're you think there's something there and so i i don't know i just have a real like incentive to push forward for people to think of this um, these processes more as a medium of painting more as a medium of moving things around than as a kind of nerd factory hub yeah <laughs> no, I, I think absolutely i think it's I guess it's it's art as practice as process, isn't it? It's actually working with the medium and the medium, it, it, you know, the medium might be this whole kind of suite of different um, digital processes, but mm -hmm. it's still a medium, just like, you know, a, a bunch of different paints or like, you know, different things that you might, you might whack on a canvas. It's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's a form of alchemy, isn't it? It's like kind of bringing together all these disparate things that, you know, people don't necessarily think of as art, like video games, synth music, like, like um, I don't know, a gun game or something. Like all of these things, they're not, they're kind of outside of what art is. But then art has this amazing way of just like expanding the Venn diagram when, you know, when it, when it works. And, and it just, yeah, and through, through the experimentation, through the, through the practice, it becomes work um yeah it's very different I, I i never understand practices where it's like this is the model and then i've got you know it's like it's like a film that's completely um storyboarded yeah like why make why make the film yeah <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. that's great i mean you know you've got you've got a perfectly good storyboard there <laughs> kind of like i like films where like every shot has been sort of basically happened organically it's like you know the people are sitting around in a space it's sort of investigating a process rather than like kind of setting out a plan and then just like you know it just feels so boring <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's discovering something through making it there's two minutes left <laughs> <laughs> It's been a blast. <laughs> yeah, that, that's been, it was, um, it's a shame, I feel like that could go on for longer. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Last two minutes, what do we say in the last two minutes? Thank, thanks for chatting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, super great. nice. And good luck with the opening. Oh, thank you, thank you. Good luck on everything. Oh, maybe we should end on what we're doing next. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've really got much coming up, to be honest. <laughs> uh, what's your just, plans? Yeah, what's your plans? What's next? I think just winding down the show, like they both close, IMT and Castfield both close mid-December, so my head's kind of still in that. Um, mm. And then I'm going to pick stuff up in the new year. 
Oh, sounds so nice. That's a good plan. What about you, Daniel? Um, if you happen to be in London from uh, November till I think it's uh, end of January, then come to Arbright. I have a solo show opening there. You can come and see it. That's about it. David. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Come to come to town of an Eastbourne, uh, Town of Gallery next September. I've got a little show there. So yeah, Amazing. come along. You have been listening to a Castlefield Gallery podcast. To find out more about John Powell Jones' solo exhibition, Cyberjunk, please visit castfieldgallery.co.uk.